0: Hello, and welcome to episode 224 of the End Focus podcast. I am your irregular host, Andrew Brown, and this week we're joined by our regular co host, Rosalie the Little Record Girl. Hello there. Hello. Just some quick housekeeping going forward. There's a lot of changes going on here at the Game Podular Network. We've been calling it a network for a long time, even though this is pretty much the only show that's really been consistently running. (laughs) Uh, We are going to be adding some more shows in the future. Those are still a work in progress, but we've got a few things nailed down. We're just trying to get everything organized. And going forward, End Focus will now be a bi-weekly schedule in order to better accommodate uh, the availability of our co-hosts so uh, you won't be hearing from us every week and from now on just every two weeks or at least that's something we're going to try for a little while we'll see how it works out so let's move on with our latest nintendo news we've known it's coming for years nintendo announced it over a year ago the 3ds and the wii u e-shops are going to close March 27th. They're still open as we record this, although I imagine by the time most people listen to this, they will have closed. Uh, I myself have uh, taken advantage of the last-minute sales. Capcom is doing some great ones in the U.S. I've got all the Phoenix Wright games, all the Monster Hunter games. I got Resident Evil 3, The Mercenaries. Uh, Resident Evil Revelations is on sale as well but I already own that one so I didn't buy that one and uh, Shovel Knight is on sale for a great price too so I grabbed that one as well Uh, I might play them someday I don't know I got them (laughs) just in case just to cover myself because they were so cheap but we'll see what happens Uh, didn't really get in with the Wii U stuff because Wii U storage is just such a pain in the butt compared to three DS storage, so I just I didn't want to deal with it. Uh, did you <laughs> do anything to celebrate or commiserate or just take advantage of last minute sales? <laughs> Rosalie? No. I,
1: I was I was going to and I was like, what is the likelihood that I'm actually gonna play my three DS or my Wii? <laughs> I don't even know where they are right now, which is pretty bad. Actually no, I think my three D S is on my Zelda shelf. No, but I did tell everybody to buy Harmonite because it's amazing. If you're listening to this and it's there's still time, there probably won't be Harmonite. Night. <sighs> yeah, but most of the games that I would want to play, I, there's like a remaster or there's like a, a way to play them now, I hope, I think. And I bought a lot of 3DS and Wii U games back in the day, so I think I'm sorted anyway. I hope. I'm going to go back and be like, oh no. <laughs> but it's just sad. It's very sad and scary.
0: I mean, it is. We can say that, but then we're both admitting that we're probably not going to play any of the games that we bought. We don't play our 3DS anymore. <laughs> That's why Nintendo is closing them down. Yeah. Like, we can say, oh, it's, it's terrible. All these games are disappearing forever because quite a few of them are quite literally disappearing forever. <laughs> but we don't play our 3DSs anymore. So yeah. can we really complain that much?
1: No. We're part of the problem. (laughs) It was quite cool. There's the completionist did a video where they bought every single three DS game and Wii U game and all the DLC and it was like what, eighteen or twenty grand or something?
0: Something like that Um, and it was just a preview into how far Nintendo has come as far as their Online storefront, the Switch is yeah. amazing compared to the 3DS and the Wii U because you have to buy games individually on the 3DS at least. Mm. And if you want the DLC, the DLC is just the worst on 3DS games. You can only buy them in game, you mm. can't buy them just from the eShop. There's a page on the eShop that says games with DLC, but you have to boot the game up in order to purchase oh, the DLC oh. or to even view the DLC at all. And on many of these games, including Fire Emblem, probably most prominently, you can only download the DLC when you get to certain points in the story. <laughs> so if you're scrambling at the last minute to get like all the DLC for Fire Emblem Fates, uh, I hope you're willing to uh, basically spend the rest of the next 48 hours playing it so you can do that. Uh, uh, yeah. And I already said the Wii U, just the storage options on it are just so
1: obnoxious i didn't even want to deal with it like which says a lot because i find the e-shop on the switch really infuriating sometimes Hmm. they never seem to get the online stores like up to scratch. I was looking through genres the other day, uh, and I was like, Wow, this is really slow and intuitive and horrible and why haven't they updated this? You
0: well, know, probably because of people like me who just use Diku deals to browse instead. <laughs> oh. I just find what I want and I add it to my wish list through the website, then I just download it and buy it one by one from the wish list. The wish list is the only page on the eShop I really look at anymore. <laughs> oh.
1: Oh, learn something new every day.
0: Okay, so let's move on with what we played this week. I'll start out. I played a new indie release on Switch called Squad Fifty One versus the Flying Saucers. This is a indie retro shoot 'em up that's made in the style of a nineteen fifties black and white science fiction B movie. Uh, it's about these group of rebels called Squad Fifty One who are fighting back against these aliens who have taken over Earth. They're led by this guy called Director Zarog. And the best thing about this game is all of the cutscenes between levels are performed in live action by actors, uh, just doing their level best to recreate the low budget and the cheese of the kind of movies that get mocked on Mystery Science Theater 3000. Mm -hmm. And then when you're in the levels themselves... Uh, it looks like a special effects scene from those same kind of movies. Really great production values on this. They've gone to such lengths, and it looks so visually brilliant to create something that looks completely fake. It's just an amazing product that they've created here, mostly to look at. As a game itself, it's a shoot-'em-up. And I I really don't have much to say about shoot 'em ups. Some people really appreciate these games. They can really describe what makes each shoot 'em up special and unique. For me, I played one shoot 'em up, I played them all. And I played this <laughs> shoot 'em up, it's exactly the same as all the other shoot 'em ups I've ever played. I'm not a fan of this genre, so I can't recommend this game just based on being a shoot 'em up. But it is a really amazing game to look at, and I'm perfectly happy to have played it just once, just to see the special effects and to see the live action cutscenes. And it's fairly challenging. There's a a normal mode where you just play through level by level that's uh, a standard thing in video games these days where they're replicating the old arcade style but you can keep playing the the level until you beat it and then, then there's the more traditional arcade mode where if you die you have to go back to the first level and you have to beat the entire game in one go uh, i'm not even gonna attempt to do that because i know that i'm not capable of it <laughs> So, Squad 51 versus the Flying Saucer is really cool. It's a visual and aesthetic treat, and I recommend it for those reasons, but only for those reasons. <laughs> uh, I just, I'm not a shoot 'em up guy. I can't recommend it for any other reason than that. Uh, Rosalie's been playing the Grim Grimoire Once More demo. Rosalie, why don't you go ahead and tell us about that?
1: Yeah, so it's a remaster of a PlayStation Two game that came out in two thousand and seven. That was a long time ago now, uh, and it's developed by VanillaWare, who is my favourite game studio at the moment, and they are famous for doing like Odin Sphere and Dragon's Crown, and more recently Thirteen Sentinels, which got a Switch release last year, uh, and I love them. And all their games are just they're just so good. So I, I was quite excited to play this demo because I never played the original PS2 one and if you try and find a copy it's like one of those ones that's you won't find and if you do it's like stupidly over overly priced for what it is what is really cool about this game it's the same kind of team so the music is all done by Hitoshi Sakimoto who is the guy who's known for the Final Fantasy Tactics music and Final Fantasy XII, which has, like, a beautiful score, it just sounds like Final Fantasy XII music, and it's just so kind of whimsical, and you know, it's so nice. But what's cool is that I did some digging around this game before I played it to kind of find out more about it. And it was inspired by that series that I can't pronounce the name of that you want to try soon as Altier. Oh, Atelier? Um, that's it, yep. Yeah. <laughs> so they, they liked those games, and they were like, we want to do something a bit similar and it's also based on a famous wizard IP, which I won't name. Hmm. Some of it's a bit apparent because there's like a character there's like an old wizard guy whose name sounds similar to the famous old wizard guy from the IP I'm mentioning. I can fell? No. No. <laughs> I-, I take this as a good thing because if you're like want to play something that's like, you know, wizards in training and they're at a magical school and you're like, I want to play something like that where I know my money's going to a nice place, then this is like an option for you. I mean, I don't know VanillaWare. I don't know. I've never heard of them having big controversies. but um. They're a big game studio, so probably they do. You're probably in a better bet to put your money towards this, is what I kind of mean. And in it, you play as Lilith Blan. She's a little girl, and uh, she was invited to be trained as a sorceress at this place called Silver Star Tower, uh, she comes from like a poor kind of country family and she wants to become a famous big sorceress so she can like support her mum and her many brothers. And when you play the game, um, you unlock all the this like extra artwork by the artist Kuichi uh, Mayano. I hope I pronounced that right. Uh, and you see one of the pieces of her and her like all her little brothers and it's like super cute. But what I find really funny about playing it is that a lot of the character names are alcohol puns. Uh, so the protagonist is called Lilith Blan in the in the localization, but in Japan she's called Lilith Blanc, which I believe is a type of wine. You also meet a girl called Margarita, <laughs> and there's a, a devil character called Advocate, which is also a type of booze. And I just thought that was really funny. I like a good naming pun. Basically, this game is a RTS, so like real time strategy. And apparently, when the original hmm. game came out, they wanted to do a sequel. They didn't get to do a sequel. So they use some concepts of that for 13 Sentinels. So if you've played 13 Sentinels before this, you'll probably like a bit of it because it does that thing where it's a little bit of visual novel, a little bit of RTS, which is like a good combo. This game is more RTS, not heavy on the visual novel. That's kind of more just a story to kind of, you know, place you in why you're fighting and why you're doing the things that you are. Um, But what's really cool about it, it's a side-scrolling RTS. So instead of like Mm. a big map, it's like you're in multiple corridors of this tower and all the corridors kind of fit together by these like winding staircases, which is like magical, you know, it's kind of typical of the kind of the genre. Uh, But what's really cool about it is like you have these runes and in these runes you can summon these little um, familiars and you get elves and you have to tell the elves to farm mana. And then when you have enough mana, you can level up and then you can summon different kind of like armies of you know like fairies and like all that kind of typical fantasy kind of characters. So if you farm enough mana you can do fairies, fairies can do physical attacks against things that are weak to physical attacks but you can also get a a rune where you summon ghosts and when the ghosts summon mana you can summon like phantoms who can do like ghost damage to things that are only like susceptible to that kind of damage you can just charge all these armies and summon like loads and loads of fairies and just go in. I didn't even know what the genre was of this game because I'd never played the original. So I was taken back a bit. I was like, oh, this is what it is. Oh, okay. Because the studio's first game was Odin Sphere, which is a side-scrolling game, but it's just like a I don't know if hack-and-slash is the right word for the genre, but it's just like a typical here's a boss, go Hmm. fight it, side-scrolling kind of thing.
0: It's just an action game.
1: Yeah, yeah. So I was, it's kind of cool that their second game was like, right. RTS but cute art and things. I don't know, I think it's kind of cool and I'm really glad it's got a remaster because I want this game to do well because their best game Muramasa is still stuck on the Wii and the PS Vita and that needs to get a remaster so bad. You just find yourself like, it's. I don't want to say the word addictive because I feel like that's overused in game speak Mm -hmm. but I had a lot of fun with the demo there's like a tutorial but you're actually playing through the start of the actual game So, like, you see the story and the girl, she's basically stuck in a five-day loop. So all the characters die and she's like, uh, what's happening? And she wakes up and everything's back to normal. But she still has all the knowledge that she's been taught as a sorceress.
0: Hmm, Good thing she has that time turner.
1: (laughs) Yeah but it's kind of interesting. Oh and the cool thing is the voice acting is really good. Mostly for Vanillaware I tend to have the Japanese voices on because Vanillaware games are usually they have a lot of like Japanese folklore and stuff in them so I like to have the Japanese voices on to kind of fit the atmosphere a bit better. I instantly recognize some of the voices and there's um there's a really this cool teacher lady and I was like she sounds like Ivy Valentine from Soul Calibur and it was Ivy Valentine from Soul Calibur so I was like oh cool Lani Manella I think is the voice actress's name but yeah it's a really really strong voice cast but you can switch to the Japanese voices if that's what you prefer but yeah the demo is free on the switch Uh, the actual game comes out next month it's quite funny because I was looking up the dates and on the podcast we typically we have someone from the US and me from Europe and Sylvie from Australia and that was the places they showed me where the game was coming out so it's like April 4th for North America April 7th for Europe and 14th for Australia so that's and it's coming out on everything but and the switch is kind of cool because it's it's a kind of game that you might want to put you know Netflix on and kind of play this in the background I think hmm. but if you do play it docked the artwork is absolutely beautiful it has that kind of storybook aesthetic to it I have lots of art books from the from these games like from Odin's Sphere and Dragon's Crown and stuff and I just absolutely love the art style so docked handheld go for it I will be getting the full game in June so I can report back on how it you know how the whole thing is but I'm very excited for it and I definitely recommend giving the demo a go
0: sounds like an interesting game to me
1: <laughs> yeah i actually i actually thought you, m- you might quite like it
0: Yeah, you know, i've always been interested in muramasa the demon blade i thought that looked cool and oh, wii but i just uh, i did not connect the dots that it was the same developer ah <laughs> uh,
1: i think it's the art um the mm. art still is quite um distinctive Yeah, Muramasa is my favorite of them, Yeah. but every time I play one of them that I haven't played, it becomes like my favorite game, like 13 Sentinels is like one of my favorite games ever. They normally don't do me wrong, so I am quite excited over this.
0: All right, and to round out the episode, I played another indie game called Dredge, and I was provided with a review code by the publisher for this, so thank you very much in advance for doing that, Abe Foster of Team17. Dredge, if you can believe it, is a psychological horror fishing game. Hmm. You play as a fisherman who is answering a job ad for a new fisherman in this small town called Greater Marrow in this chain of islands in this non-specific place in the ocean uh, wrecks his ship just before he gets there and he wakes up in the town and the mayor immediately shackles him with this really bad used boat puts him into debt basically so that's the first thing you have to do is you have to work off your debt and that's how you start off fishing the fishing mechanics are really really basic you might be imagining like a fishing simulation game where you have to actually pick out where you want to go the boat to go and you have to throw your bobber over the or or you have to verb the fishing rod (laughs) (laughs) you have to cast your line and then you have to wait for the fish to bite and then you have to draw it in and you have to like let the line go slack when the fish fights it you know we've all played a fishing mini game before it's not as in-depth in that actually uh the fishing is actually automatic when you find a a spot in the ocean where the fish spawn you'll see them swimming around you'll see their shadows just beneath the surface of the ocean uh, you can just let it run and the fish will go into your boat automatically and where the mini game comes in is there's a spinning circle in the interface that has green highlighted areas in it and if you can stop the cursor in those green highlighted areas then the fish will come up even faster so it's like a choice between do you want this to take 10 seconds or do you want it to take three seconds basically <laughs> if you get good at it then you can very quickly pull up an entire Spawning pool in just seconds flat and you do that for a little while maybe a half an hour and then you paid off your boat Uh, But that's when you start encountering the horror mechanics because there is just something wrong with this ocean Around Greater Marrow, it's not that big a deal. At nighttime, there's a ton of fog that rolls in. It makes it really hard to see. And you need a strong light to penetrate through that fog, and you can upgrade your boat over the course of the game to get better tools, including a better light, so you can see further. The horror mechanic here, quote-unquote horror, is there will be rocks that come up out of the the ocean that aren't there during the daytime. Uh, And the fog is so thick, it's very easy to accidentally just... Smack right up against him, just like your character did before the game actually started. Mm. Uh, So that's what you really have to deal with there. After you paid off your boat and you've been cut loose to go wherever you want in the ocean, that's when you meet the collector. And the collector has another job he wants you to do. There's a lot of cursed items. There's six total, I think, around the entire map that he wants you to retrieve for him. That takes you to every corner of the map and you start encountering a lot more scary stuff out there. This is a horror game. I don't want to say that this is actually, like, frightening to play. It's more just has an unsettling atmosphere. I didn't really find it out-and-out out scary. But really, if you want to give yourself the elevator pitch for this game, it's it's eternal darkness with fishing in it. <laughs> 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 the horror stuff works the same way as the sanity meter where Mm -hmm. when you're riding around at night then your tension level will go up and you'll start running into more and more scary things like black seagulls will appear and start stealing fish out of your hold if you're out in the open ocean a kraken's tentacle will come up and try to smash your boats there are torpedo sharks that will appear and try to run you down and then on each individual island there are specific obstacles you have to deal with like one of them has a snake that has basically just ruined the entire island and turned it into a bunch of canals, so you have to fish in those canals, you have to find a bunch of specific things that the collector and the people who live on the island want you to find there, and you have to run away when the fish sees you, because you cannot deal with that fish. Later on, you find like a reef that has a abandoned resort built on it, and there's something in that reef that you don't want to mess with (laughs) it's a really cool game it's a fun idea i think this is probably the best indie game i've played of the year so far i'm not just saying that because they gave me a review code i got a review code because i thought this game looked great and it is great so i highly recommend dredge first must play game of the year for me uh, aside from theater rhythm, obviously, I <laughs> uh, haven't quite done everything in it. There's the side quests; a couple of them seem to be time limited, so I've already failed them. Those those kind of sucked. I didn't. I wasn't happy to see that. Uh, and there's 158 unique species of fish to find, and I'm still missing about 50 of them. But still a great game. Highly recommend. Can't go wrong with this kind of thing for me. So I think that's gonna be it for this episode. It wound up being a short one, and that's alright. Mm-hmm. So what are we playing in the coming week, Rosalie? Or oh, what are we playing in the coming fortnight, I should say. I've got to update oh, yeah. that show note. There we go. Okay. <laughs>
1: <laughs> um so I am playing well, there's a Splatfest coming up, and I feel like I have to play it. It's next weekend. Because the question is which which of these is real? And it's between Nessie, Aliens, and Bigfoot, and as the resident Scott of this uh, podcast, I feel like I ha- have to represent Nessie. Um, well, they're all also, real, first of all. Yeah, of course. Uh, I'm also going, well, I've already played it, but I'll be talking in the future about Sonic Frontiers. And we also got a code for Paranorma Site mm-hmm. from Square Enix, which is their new horror visual game, which I've just started. And it's very intriguing, so I'll be playing that.
0: And I will be starting Bayonetta Origins for a future episode. I don't know if I'm going to talk about it next week because I I do want to finish it before I say one word about it. But Mm -hmm. I am going to start it. And I am going to play uh, an indie side-scrolling combat game called Have a Nice Death. It looks like uh, Hollow Knight, but it's procedurally Mm -hmm. generated. And it's more focused on combat than uh, Hollow Knight, which had an open world to explore. I've been looking forward to this one for a long time. And, you know, I'm the indie guy on the podcast. So I got (laughs) to play this game. Uh, I hope it's good. It looks great.
1: for listening to this episode of End Focus. If you enjoyed this episode please leave us a review on iTunes it really helps us get noticed. You can also listen and subscribe on Stitcher, Spotify and other podcast services. Be sure to join our Discord server to interact with the lively GamePodular community. Follow us on Twitter and at GamePodular.com for updates, news and other content. Links to all our socials may be found at linktree slash GamePodular. If you'd like to support our shows, you can buy us a coffee or become a GamePodular patron. The details for both are on our website. Thanks. This episode was edited by Andrew and you can follow them at Play Critically or read their long form reviews at playcritically.com or you can follow me, Rosalie, at LIL Record Girl.
0: Because, sorry, my cat's distracting me. Oh. <laughs> you want to stay out of that, please? <laughs> She's knocking games out of my cabinet. <laughs> uh,
1: okay. <laughs>